Yeah, hello, folks. This is David opposing the Matrix, and we're having a we're having an actually a new kind of format here. This is uh, Ralph Epperson, and tonight we're today we're doing something called the Unseen Hand of the Matrix. How's that sound, Ralph? I'm I'm pleased to do it. I'm happy to do this for you, <laughs> folks. Ralph Epperson, uh, well well known author, publisher of uh, I think five or six books, maybe even more, but mainly the uh, author of the Unseen Hand and the New World Order. And both excellent books. You got to get them and read them. Ralph published The New World Order back in the 1980s, and it's almost like a prophetic book, okay? But he explains a lot of things about what we're seeing today. So that's why I call it prophetic. Um, so anyway, Ralph, what are we doing today? We're, we're going to do a subject I'll identify in a minute. Uh, you can put it up at the beginning, but I'd like to lead into it. Okay, okay. I especially want to thank you. Uh, now I'm going to start reading, and when I ask, when I want you to read, I'll hold up the chart. We've, we've talked about that. We'll move the paper. Okay. But I believe the subject we're going to discuss is a very important one, and I would like to present it to your listeners. Okay. But before I start, I would like to lay out some foundation information, but that is not what I'll be discussing. I've discovered, I've just studied, I've studied this subject for many years. And have read many of the major books in the field, as you will see as I progress through the presentation. As Dave told you, my name is Ralph Epperson, and I'm a graduate of the University of Arizona. I'm an historian and author of four titles in print. First of all, I would like to dedicate this presentation to Willie Solis. There is a picture of Willie Solis. Just a second. I'm going to I just want you to see this young man because here you can read about who he was. Willie Solis, a freedom fighter from Costa Rica who loved freedom so much that he was willing to pay the ultimate price for it. He was murdered by the communists in 1960. Well, he was alive from 1962 to 1984. Willie, we miss you. Yes. I met this young man in 84 before, before he died and I was taken by his dedication and commitment. This is a young man who knows more about communism than we can believe. Okay, now I'd like to explain that I'm not a professional teacher, nor do I have anything but the simplest of computer skills. I just got the idea to make a presentation on this subject because I would guess that only a few people in America know anything about the subject. And I'm hoping that millions of people will watch this after it has been uploaded onto the internet. Now, I'd like, I will end this introduction with this statement. What I have done is type the pertinent information on individual sheets, as you'll see. And I will ask David to read the pages as I present them one at a time. I would also like to add that David had no in input into any of the material discussed on this presentation. So all of the words will be mine or taken from the book or books I will be discussing. Okay. Let's start with this. Conspiracy Writers Hall of Fame, a brief background of the 20 top conspiracy writers in modern history. A. Ralph Epperson, 2011. Yeah, I was one of the first the 20 of that group, and I was very humbled by that. All right. The History Channel. Uh, secret, um, number one, Secrets of the Dollar Bill, 
2,210,000 views. Number two, Secrets of the Founding Fathers, 32,000 views. Well, I've been on the History Channel twice. Uh, I've got a, this is a list that I've prepared myself of 119 conspiracy writers. I've read at least one of their uh, books, wow. 119, which means I've been reading a great deal and documenting my case. Well, you can read this. Okay, Ralph Epperson, I have no staff assisting me and no researchers doing my research. No one is advising me. No one is funding my work. I am totally responsible for collecting the information that I have gathered for this presentation. Okay, here we go. Let's start. Okay. Little up around Vladimir Lenin, communist dictator, Russia. He said, in a quote, as long as capitalism and socialism exist, we cannot exist in peace. In the end, a funeral dirge will be sung over either the Soviet communists or over world capitalism. So I think the best way to start this presentation is to expose the enormous lie the comments have been feeding us. Okay, so I'll let you read this along because I want them to read this. Okay. We have basically been told that communists are members of what they call the proletariat, meaning the working class. And that is what they are urging the proletariat, and that is what they are urging the proletariat to overthrow. The ruling class means those who own all of the factors of production. But this is not true. There is a middle class called the the bourgeoisie. Bourgeoisie, thank you. (laughs) I can't say that word. The word means hill climber. Hill climber. And I'll explain that a little later. Now, these are official words from the communists. The struggle of the proletariat with the bourgeoisie is is at first a national struggle. The proletariat of each country must, 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 of course, first of all, settle matters with its own bourgeoisie, page 31. Oh, this is from the Congress Manifesto. I'm sorry, I should have showed that book. Okay. Uh, society, excuse me, society can no longer live under the bourgeoisie, page 32. The immediate aim of the communist is the formation of the proletariat into a class Overthrow the bourgeoisie. Conquest of political power. Uh, To your right a little, Ralph. Okay, and down. I got to. Okay. The conquest, uh, conquest of the political power by the proletariat and the third class is the ruling class. Page 29. The real. Oh, wait a minute. There was something under there, Ralph. The real power behind the communists. Okay. Now, to illustrate my point, let me show you the four pictures. It has certainly been known that John D. Rockefeller was the wealthiest man in the world, 1839 to 1937.
he would have had a net worth of around $26 billion. And it's $26 billion, and tw- which would be 26 was a trillion dollars in 2022. His fortune was certainly divided by a will, but it would be presumed that his son, David Rockefeller, became one of the wealthiest men in the world upon the death of his father. Now, let me show you Vladimir Lenin was wrong. The communists up a little round. I don't know if I got the rest of it. Okay. The communists. The reason we're doing this is I'm trying to get people to read it and see it at the same time. I got you. I'm to read it and hear it at the same time. Okay. Uh, the last page said the communists are not the enemy of the capitalists. They are allies. By showing you four pictures of David Rockefeller. Do you understand what I'll say? I want you to repeat that. Okay. We'll do it again. Communists are not the enemy of the capitalists. They are the allies. By showing you four pictures of David Rockefeller. This is something that we have not been taught. Never. Okay. Let's see. I see the picture. Okay. David Rockefeller, capitalist. Andre Gromyko, communist. Looks like they're having fun together, Ralph. Okay. David Rockefeller, capitalist. Fidel Castro, communist. David Rockefeller, capitalist. Cho Enlai, communist. David Rockefeller, capitalist. Nikita Khrushchev, communist. Now, wait a minute. Those communists are supposed to hate the capitalist. Right. Were they smiling in those pictures or not, David? Yes, and acting very friendly. Yes, were they shaking hands in the friendship or this? Yes. Now, the reason Vladimir Lenin hates capitalism is because the very wealthy, meaning the owners of the factors of production, exploit the workers. Yes. And that these capitalists should be punished for doing so by the destruction of their capitalist economy. Now, David Rockefeller was a true capitalist. He was an extremely wealthy individual. And each of these four communists are dedicated to destroying the capitalist system. And those who own the factors of production, that means each one of these four communists had an opportunity to arrest David Rockefeller and charge him with a serious crime. That's true. But they have noticed, but you have noticed that they, that all five of these men were smiling and had extended the hand of friendship to each other. That tells us capitalists, that tells us capitalists a great deal. I can, um, I can only summarize it with two sentences. One, communists and capitalists are not enemies. 
their allies. Now, with that in mind, let's start the presentation. Constitution of the Union of the so of Soviet Socialist Republics, uh, published in Moscow in 1962. Let me show you. I've got the copy of it right here in my hands. Wow. That is, it's not very big, but uh -huh. that's the whole constitution. Now, this, by the way, is the USSR. I don't know what it is today, but this still matters. A communist is still a communist. Sure. Okay, Article 12. Work in the USSR is a duty and a matter of honor for every able-bodied citizen in accordance with, this, with the principle, he who does not work, neither shall he eat. Uh, You're not going to be able to sit on the hill and play the violin, is that it? Yeah, right. Uh, Article 12 continued. The principle applied in the USSR is that of socialism from each according to his ability to each according to his work. Whoa. Please read the last line again. To each according to his work. Work, work, work. Okay. Article 12, universal military service is law. Military service in the armed forces of the USSR is the honorable duty of citizens of the USSR. Now we're going to read from this little booklet. Okay. Forgive me, this is my cover to keep uh -huh. it safe if I can. But that's the Commerce Manifesto. Marks and Engel, huh? Luxury uh, uh, edition for mm -hmm. 1948. So I've, got, I've read it. We're going to quote from it now. Here are the details. The Communist Manifesto, Karl Marx and Frederick Engels, 1848. <clears throat> Preface The Communist League sprang from what is, was known as the League of the Just. The latter was in turn an offshoot of the Parisian uh, Outlaw League, founded by German refugees in that city. The Illuminati from Bavaria. Wow. Did you hear what he just said? Yeah. The Communists were the result, the grandfather of. The Illuminati. Right. Karl Marx was a member of the Illuminati, other under names. I never knew that. Um, in this sense, the theory of the communists may be summed up in the single sentence abolition of private property. Sorry, Ralph. <laughs> she doesn't like communists either. <laughs> um, in one word, you reproach us. With intending to do away with your property, precisely so. That is just what we intend. Wow. No private property? Does that mean the young people won't have a, a cell phone? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Right, that's private property. They won't have a car. They won't have games to play. You will work. If you don't work, thou shalt not eat. Right. Um, Abolition of the family. The family will vanish as a matter of course. That's freaky. The communists are further reproached with the desire to abolish countries and nationality. 
was that critical? Oh, my goodness. If I would have known. <laughs> Communism abolishes eternal truth. Now, look at this. Here's Ralph Epperson. I'll let you quote me. Okay. Ralph Epperson says, how can you abolish that which is eternal? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. How can you abolish eternal? How can you do that? You can't. (laughs) Uh, This shows that Karl Marx was out of touch with reality. People are out of touch with reality and are called insane. Yeah. Yes, you can't answer that. So we abolish that which is eternal. Okay, let's keep going. What we're going to sure. do with the manifesto. Communism abolishes all religion and all morality. Someone else abolished all morality. I couldn't find a picture, but Alistair, oh, okay. Alistair Crowley. 1875 to 1947, he wrote a little book. And here's that little book. The Book of the Law. So what? We'll talk about this. This was written, okay, I'll give you details. That was written in 1938. Here's what it says. The book of the law, uh, the book lays down a simple code of conduct. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. There is no law beyond do what thou wilt. Wow. You want to do that? You want to shoot somebody, kill somebody, steal from somebody, take over their house? Do what, do what thou wilt. Isn't that called barbarism? <laughs> well, something. Yeah. Alistair Crowley did not write the book. He said, this was dictated in Cairo on April 8th, 9th, and 10th in the year 1904. Crowley identified the author. The author called himself Iwas. I am the secret serpent. I think he just admitted that the secret serpent was the devil called Lucifer or Satan. Go back. Notice that quote is in uh, quotation marks. Right. I am the secret serpent. Who is the secret serpent? We're all guessing that we have reason to believe. Okay, now we're going to go on with Lenin. Okay. Lenin, one power, our power does not know liberty or justice. It is entirely established on the destruction of individual of the individual will. We are the masters. Complete indifference to suffering is our duty. In the fulfillment of our calling, the greatest cruelty is a merit. Twenty-two. That refers to page number of the. Oh, okay. Page twenty-two. Okay, all land owned by the church, private persons, is taken away without compensation, page 24. That sounds like they're going to take away their little cell phone, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. And then if you want to sit in, on the mountainside and uh, uh, talk about baseball, uh, you can't do that either because you're not working. They're also going to take away their pot pipes and their bongs. <laughs> <laughs> 
1970, the Senate International Security Subcommittee released a study entitled The Human Cost of Soviet Communism. Which asserted that at least 21.5 million, that's 21,500, or excuse me, 21,500,000 have been executed or have died in prison camps in the Soviet Union during the past 51 years. My goodness. That's a lot of people. A lot of souls. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to document it. Uh, the author of the report stated that his estimate was conservative and that the real figure may have been as high as 45 million. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now, this is, uh, this is your uh, four, four sheets, four pages of a little booklet, and I put it inside the plastic holder. But I want to show you this because that's uh, Sergei Nechev. We're going to read his, his booklet called The Revolutionary Catechism. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sergei Nechev. Here's uh, page three and four, five and six. I'm sure. Okay. Here's, here's what it is. Sergei, I can't say that word. Nechev. 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 Okay. The Revolutionary Catechism. This is my printed copy of his little book. Okay. Now, pay attention as we read. I would urge you to see any similarity between those revolutionaries in America who have burned buildings down, murdered innocent people, and harmed police officers. Because it seems that America's revolutionary organizations have all read Sergei Nechev. Nechev, Nechev's Revolutionary Catechism. Does it? Mm -hmm, sure does. I am going to type the pertinent background of young Sergei taken from the forward of his booklet. Sergei Nechev was born in 1847. He died at the age 35 in a prison in Russia. As a human being, he left much to be desired. He lied, cheated, blackmailed, and murdered. Now I will quote portions of the catechism. The revolutionary is a doomed man. He has no personal interest, no business affairs, no emotions, no attachments, no property, and no name. The revolutionary knows that in the very depths of his being, not only in words, but also in deeds, he has broken all the bonds which ties him to the social order and the civilized world with all of its laws, moralities, and customs. Is that what it is when you burn the building down and rob someone who owns a grocery store? Reminds me of Portland two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and with all of its generally accepted conventions, he is their implacable, yeah, implacable enemy and if he continues to live with them, it is only to destroy them more speedily. He despises and hates the existing social morality. For him, morality is everything which contributes to the triumph of the revolution.
the revolutionary lives in this world for the purpose of bringing about its speedy and total destruction, he should not hesitate to destroy any position, any place, or any man in this world. My goodness. Like Satan. Like Satan. Yeah. Okay. This is what, okay. Okay. I'm doing this to show you, America. The catechism continues on for another four pages, but I consider that these are the essential thoughts. Did you see America's revolutionaries in the writings of Sergei Necheyev? Yep. Sure do. The book has been reprinted. The current edition is titled Catechism of a Revolutionist. And the Amazon Amazon bookseller tells us this. Oh, here's, I'm sorry. Take your time, that's fine. Um, 100 years after the book was published, the Black Panther Party republished the book in 1969. Why am I not surprised at that, Ralph? (laughs) I am not surprised one bit. Now, in 2020, to to make the means more accessible again is being reprinted again as the start of our new radical reprint of the new radical effect. Vladimir Lenin has been quoted as saying, once I read Necheyev, I knew I had the up the rough, uh, program to win the revolution. One man did that. Yeah. And, and he was right. Lenin was right. Yeah. Here is a multiple choice question for the student. How many concentration camps are there in the USSR? 12, 35, not more than 50 or 112? Uh, down a little, Ralph. Okay, 30, uh, 12, 35, more, not more than 50, 112, 3,000 approximately. Wow. It's a lot of gulags. This is from a lecture from such a camp inmate for 10 years. The terror of living in a communist state. Uh, let this man tell you all about brutal concentration camps. That, that is our, our author giving the speech when he was a a, 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 a camp, concentration camp survivor for 10 years. You oh, my see, goodness. Let's see what happens to him when he got out and came, came to Israel. There he is. That's Abraham Schiffer. That's the same man. Wow, that's different. Yeah, you can see a little bit of difference. I think yeah. he got, somehow got prosperity. Well, he got to eat for a change, I guess. Um, his name was Abraham Schifrin a Jew who uh, was in prison because he fought for the Jews in the USSR. And this is the book he wrote. Okay. Uh, The first guidebook to the prisons and concentration camps of the Soviet Union by Abraham Schifrin. 
340 pages. I'm going to just give you one. one he, these are all maps. You can see this is a probably. Oh, right those here. are all the concentration camps? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. There's 3 billion, 3,000 of these. Now, yeah. this is just one section of Russia. Uh -huh. He doesn't define it. He does, he does tell us, but each one of those little black dots is one of them. Right. Oh, 3, my goodness. 3,000 of these. That's more camps than the Nazis had in World War II. Yes, and you can, he gives you the details if you want to go see them. And in many of the uh, pictures, the people who were there for a while, like he was. Uh-huh. That didn't go over very well with the, with the Russians when he went to Israel. Really. No, uh-uh. In, in, in uh, question, people leaving from Russia to come to uh, Israel uh, about what he knew about concentration camps. Mm -hmm. The Chinese Communist Revolution. China had a revolution led by Chow and Lai and Mao Zedong from, a, oh, from, I didn't see the last line, <laughs> uh, up a little rail, uh, from about 1923 to 1949. Okay. Sure. The communists hang huge banners from the buildings when they publicly march their army. Yeah, you can see this. Here's a good example. Oh, wow. Vladimir Lenin. He's probably 50 feet tall. Marx, Lenin, and Cho and uh, Mao Zedong. Yeah, who's mm -hmm. who's in the middle? Lenin. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Uh, this one shows Vladimir Lenin is a hero, along with Chow and Mao, uh, which means that they be they believe exactly what Lenin believes. Is that reasonable? Yeah. That means that communist China is committed to signing a dirt, singing a dirge uh, over the capitalist America as well. After the revolution was over, the American Senate Committee on the Judiciary in 1971 issued a 28-page document entitled The Human Cost of Communism in China that concluded that Chao and Mao responsible for as many deaths of for the deaths of as many as sixty four million people wow sixty four million people it was about one in ten my goodness well, let's talk about some more Cuba had a communist revolution led by Fidel Castro mm -hmm. This is how Castro sold his revolution. Quote, our revolution is not communist. End quote. Quote, our revolution is humanist. End quote. He was called the George Washington of Cuba. That's what America did. Look at this. We're almost finished. No, it's okay. He was brought to Washington, D.C., spoke to the United Nations. He was on the Ed Sullivan Show. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. That they allowed that was is is terrible. Well, don't forget he was he was a George Washington of, uh, of Cuba. Yeah.
Various estimates have been made about the members of the number of Cubans who died as a result of the Cuban Revolution. It would appear that it is somewhere between 5,000 and 400 or 40,000. Yeah. yeah. Where's the result? But after 51 years of socialism slash communism, economic systems of Cuba doesn't work even for us any even work for us anymore. Uh, that's from the Arizona Daily Star Associated Press, September 2010, page A5. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. 51 years they learned it didn't work. All those needless deaths, too. Venezuela had a revolution. That's current. Uh, Venezuela timeline 1992 became the third richest country in the hemisphere. 1997, the second largest producer of Ford F-150 pickups. 2001, voted for socialist president. 2004, private health care completely socialized. 2007, all higher education became free. 2009, socialists banned private ownership of guns. Man, oh man. Talk about a downward slide. Uh, Venezuela timeline uh, continued. 2012, Bernie Sanders, American socialist, praised their American dream. That is the Venezuela American dream. Uh, 2014, opposition leaders are imprisoned. 2016, uh, food shortages become widespread. 2017, constitution and elections are suspended. 2019, unarmed citizens massacred by government. At least 2 million Venezuelans flee. People are starving. Oh, my God. It seems like something's wrong with the system. Yeah. U.S. News and World Report. Uh, new net, oh, you, you want me to read the communism one? Okay. Yes, please do. Communism, the great economic failure. Wow, the press is even saying it. This was uh, March of 1982. Let's repeat it. Make sure you understand. Communism, the great economic failure. Wow. Has it been proven in just 30 minutes? Yeah, sure has. what I've done. I've read their record, Mm -hmm. documented it. And there are people in America want to become communists. Do they know what I just told you? I doubt it. I seriously doubt it, too. Yeah. The end. Ralph, um, it's the end. Mm -hmm. So what was I going to say? I've known people from Cuba, beautiful people, by the way, and they've had to escape. And the things that they had to go through before they left were terrible. I know Oh my goodness! And and I I, I uh, when I was uh, uh, let's see how I say this when I was uh, I had a part timer here working for me for a while and she went to UVA and they, there was a seminar she could go to to go to Cuba uh, and see the the wonders of socialism so she mm-hmm. went and she went about amongst the grocery stores and the shelves were all empty. Oh wow. She went to a building being remodeled. There were 10 people working there. Only one of them was doing anything. Oh, my goodness. Because every worker gets the same $20 a month. 
Uh-huh. And they they say uh, the communists pay us to work, but no one's working. Right. She saw this with her own eyes. Mm-hmm. We should send every Democrat, every communist, every socialist in a Congress, Bernie Sanders, to Cuba. Let him see what, what to really go. In fact, even Venezuela is better. Yeah. Because those people are truly starving right now. Now, here's the problem. They're next door to this nation. So they move, they vacate, and they go over here. Columbia. Now, we've got 2 million people over here in, in a new country. They, they, they came there to get relief, and they don't have enough food for their own people. Now we've got 2 million people there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This, is what, this is what socialism is. Right. So, in other words, another all those hippies, and I please understand, I'm just using that term generally, that are out there demanding that we have socialism and they don't work, are if they went over to socialism would be forced to work. Yes. And what would happen? What would happen if they didn't work, Ralph? Uh, they might end up in concentration camp. Mm-hmm. Or dead. There, there, they'll be taken care of until they die. Right. Right. I forgot to put that in there. Uh, Abraham Schifrin said they were uh, easily. Now, by the way, this was back in the 70s or 80s, in the 80s. I met him personally uh, when he was touring the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, uh, I asked him uh, how he got out. And he said it was a struggle. But he was a major during World War II in the legal department, which means he wasn't shooting people. Right. And he worked for them. And then he started asking to be relieved to go to Israel as a Jew mm-hmm. and they wouldn't let him go. So he started working to that end and they said, no, Abraham, we have a little visit for you to go over here someplace. Right. We want you to, we want you to enjoy, enjoy there until you decide to change your mind. Right. But he right. got out in total of 14 years, came mm-hmm. to Israel and that book, this thing became highly arguable. The people in Russia hated Abraham Schiffer. I bet, yeah. He told the truth. 3,000 concentration camps. My goodness. 5 million people. When I was a young believer in Jesus back in the 1980s, I joined a group of people that would write to uh, the Soviet authorities um, and advocate for the people in in Russia. They were the Jews in Russia. Who were, were referred to as refuseniks, yeah. and um, the whole theory about that was to keep their name out there, so that nobody forgot them. And so we would write to the the Soviet leaders, the, the concentration camp um, leaders, you know, the ones that ministered to the concentration camp and everything else. And um, right, probably about two years after that is when the, the Jews were given permission to leave yeah. and go to Israel, but. Uh, some of the things that they endured, you know, um, because they were Jewish, they were hated. And then because they, um, you know, they uh, they were seen as political prisoners and political prisoners were always the ones that were hated more than anything else. So they were political prisoners. They were religious. Uh, what would you call them? Infidels, I guess they would call them. And so it was really rough on them, but it was rough on everybody in Russia you know, that, that didn't want to go with the program, you know, and man, it was terrible. But Ralph, I, I really got an education from this because there's a lot of things I didn't know. I mean, I knew. I know. uh, That's one of the reasons I wanted to make it short. 
I was trying to get into the nuclear situation. I said, no, they're, no, they're not ready for that yet. Right. The reason there'll never be a nuclear war is because 1,500 American corporations have factories, plants, railroads in Russia. Exactly. You think they're going to let some dictator, some dictator blow up America? No, because they got factories over here too. Yeah, that's right. This is it. This uh-huh. is how stupid they are. And I can't get people to understand that. Nobody mm. wins a nuclear war, even if it's legitimate. They've got we got, who's going to win? Right. Nobody. Yeah. Reagan said, "Mad, it was bad. It may be mutual insured destruction. Exactly, yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's madness. That's right. I said, I'm not going to get into that. This is just enough. I uh-huh. laid out some stuff using their own literature. I forgot to put in there that I had the manifesto first. Oh, no, I didn't. I did show that. What's going on here? No, I guess I covered all four of them. Okay, I got mm-hmm. it. Uh huh. This was this was the product of a lot of work because I had to make sure uh, that the, the writing was big enough for you to read, and secondly, I got them in sequence in a reasonable sequence. Right. And and, and I didn't want to cover too much, just enough to whet their appetite by reading the, 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 the Constitution. Right. Right. Those who do not work, those who do not work, do not eat. Right. Uh, they also discovered something else. If if it ain't produced, it ain't consumed. That's right. Huh? Uh-huh. What does that mean? It means you better work. Yeah. Because if you right. don't work, you don't eat. And then someone else starves if they don't work. And finally, you end up in a concentration camp and they feed you. Yeah. Hey, Ralph, how do they, um, how do they assign jobs over in the Soviet Union? Uh, how do they test people or, uh, yes. How do they I'm do happy, that? Happy to tell you that. I'm going to turn this light down. And turn I want the people to hear this, you know. Well, are we still talking? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought we had in. No, that's okay. I want people to hear this stuff. You want me to talk about this now? Yeah, why not? I'll tell you what, okay, well, if you want to know, I, if I may, I'd like to end it at, at that. Okay. Because I don't want to load them up too much. I want to, if they want more, we can do that. But okay, I got you. So let's end it with the slide. Now, okay. here's what I know. Someplace in about the ninth or tenth grade, equivalent of, you know, uh, senior or sophomore in high school, uh-huh. they all take a test, an aptitude test. And if your aptitude shows that you can, you want to work on tanks, they assign you to tanks and you will work there for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. That's right. Huh? Now, you want to be a teacher, you'll be a teacher for the rest of your life. Did I tell you, or maybe forgive me if I told you this you might remember in the early days of this Ukrainian invasion by Putin, right. he had a 30-mile road full of tanks. Right. Why? Because people work on tanks. They will work on tanks until they die. Their, their children will work on tanks. In other words, you keep producing. Keep mm-hmm. mm-hmm. making tanks, baby. Yeah. We got submarines. We need submarines. Make submarines. Right. Right. That's the problem. And so 30 miles, it was a bumper to bumper. Well, I don't say bumper to tank, but this much. Say, I was going to try to figure that out, figure out a tank needs maybe 50 feet. How many 
text you get in a mile. That's a, interesting. That. Yeah, Quite I have to look number. that up. Yeah. And you can multiply that times 30. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. Many of those tanks were falling apart. The, the equipment was poor. Listen, this great Russian dictator can't even conquer Ukraine. Right. In other words, communism has always been a failure. It's a failure even today. Uh-huh. During World War II, the German, so the Russian soldiers were, were told, ordered by draft, a force to go out and fight against the Germans. Germans coming this way, we're going to stop them. So, and they surrendered by the millions. Yeah. Millions of them surrendered and said, we'll join you. We want to get rid of communism. Help mm-hmm. us get rid of communism. Right. Now, after the war was over, guess what we did? We separated out those who survived, you know, the, the, the German, uh, Russians, and sent them back to Russia to known certified death as traitors. Right. Six million soldiers died, and it was Eisenhower's specific order that sent them back in the program called Operation Keel Hall. What's Keel Hall? You take a sailor. We've been doing something wrong. We put a rope on him and a rope on here, and we pull him underneath the boat. And if he survives, then he comes back. Uh huh. That's right. Operation. One of one of when I was in the Breakfast Club, one of our main members was a retired colonel. Uh-huh. He's still probably gone because he was colonel 30, 20 years ago. Right. Anyway, he told us that he was assigned as a lieutenant to take. A tank, a, a trade load of these POWs from here to where they were going to dump them out to the Russians. And he said, I couldn't do it. Uh-huh. So I kept driving my train up and down the road just to keep going, tell, oh, we got something. And he finally, he said, I got to do this. I'm, I'm a lieutenant. I'm ordered to do it. So he did it. Opened up the doors goodbye. Good. Let him go. They were huh? caught, taken over by the Russians. This is the great president. Mm -hmm. If you want to read a book and get angry, yeah, read The Politician. It was the third one that I read way back in the 60s. Right. I read, first of all, was None Dare Call It Treason. Then I read The Law, which was a big, uh, uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name. But he wrote the book about government and why, why we create government and democracy. And that gave me, boy, this guy's right. I mm-hmm. never thought of this. And the third book I read was The Politician, and I got angry. Huh. Okay. I said, you dirty, rotten. I don't, right. I don't use those words. Yeah. But I said, you, you should have been brought back and tried. If we had lost the war, those would have been what capital offenses, crimes oh, yeah. against humanity. Uh-huh. And we would have shot Dwight David Eisenhower. Right. You had trials. Yeah. Hey, Ralph, I better end it, huh? So we can talk. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, we're still on, so I'm going to end it, okay? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, folks, um, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, what a history lesson. My goodness, what a history lesson. And if you're young or old and you like the, mm-hmm. like communism, you like socialism, consider what Ralph said today. Consider the paperwork that he showed you. Consider that he proved in their own words that they are liars, they're cheaters, and they're out to destroy you. 
And if you like communism and it takes over, well, yeah, it's your, your, you've basically signed your own death warrant. Okay. So with that, we're going to end it. And uh, hopefully we'll be back soon with another lesson. Okay. Ralph, you're an excellent teacher. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Here we go. I appreciate the opportunity. You're welcome.